Hello everyone and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. That's right, it's me again and not Joe. Joe is stuck at work, so for the second straight week there's no Joe Fortunato, there's only Mike Murphy, so if Joe is your favorite part of the show, you should just stop listening now. Uh, maybe do something nice for someone. Uh, maybe a handwritten note, handwritten card with a little a doodle of a cat or a puppy on it. People like those things. Last week I was joined by Shana Golden. This week, joined by Tom Urch Jr. Tom, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Tom, the Rangers have won... Well, they haven't won, but they've gotten points in seven straight games now. Is that right? That is correct. It's uh, it's it's a streak that I don't think many of us expected. Uh, I know they had won four in a row, and then they obviously blew it against Detroit, and then everybody was a little upset over that, and now they've won two more in a row. So, yeah, it's interesting things going on in Rangerland. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Steve Valaquette tweeted... Just a quick snapshot of, you know, Thanksgiving time is around when we start saying, well, who's the real playoff contenders, right? And we look at the Metropolitan Division, Tom. The Rangers are only two games north of 500, but they're second in points in the Metropolitan Division. And understandably, that has a lot of people kind of murmuring about this team and whether or not they're going to be a playoff team. And again, I want to make it clear to everyone, they're going to sell. And even if they look like a wildcard team or the third team in the Metro, once they sell, like, it's going to be downhill in terms of what happens on the ice. With that being said, they're 7-2-1 in their last 10, and they're undefeatable in the shootout, Tom. They got a bunch of shootout skills. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And and for me personally, um, I... I've sort of looked at it as it's been interesting because in the shootout, it's been people that we don't exactly expect. Uh, Shattenkirk has gotten two shootout winners so far this season. And I I think, uh, I don't know if it was like a preseason game or it was an early shootout uh, that he was used. Um, Might have been last season. And he just looked... uh, abjectly horrible on the attempt and it oh, was that's just, right yeah it was just sort of this thing where people were like you know you have Zuccarello you have Buchnevich you have Hayes you have people uh, Zibanejad you have people that are like naturally gifted have really great hands where with Shattenkirk he's always been known for his ability to move the puck and shoot the puck not exactly um dangling but uh yeah the the shootout has been has been great to them this year, and I guess that sort of it sort of ties into what you were saying that they're two games above 500. But if you take out those those shootout wins and those turn to shootout losses, it's a completely yeah. different story. Yeah, and that's really the difference here, right? It's the Rangers are two games above 500, which is surprising considering where they've been. But they're seven two and one in their last ten. Uh, they've been, you know, they're 4-0 in the shootout. And in, as we all know, the shootout is just kind of a glorified skills competition. It's not, it doesn't really tell us which team deserve to win on any given night. And thus far, the Rangers continue to be a team that is outshot and outchanced. And they're getting a lot of great goaltending from Henrik Lundqvist. Of course, I think it's, it's important to mention, you know, Georgiev had that awful first game this season and since then he's been fine uh you know not 
not a lot of opportunity to play and not a lot of pressure not a lot of pressure on him but he's been fine uh, but I look at this seven game point streak and it comes we were going to mention this later but I kind of want to get it out of the way now the Rangers have been without uh, Matsu Gorello who's out with a day to day groin injury but we just heard before the show that he's expected back is that right Tom? Yeah, he's expected to uh, play on Thursday against the Islanders, and I think that's something that's that's great for them because, you know, Zook went out of the lineup, and then there was obviously the injury to Buchnevich, which we'll get to later, so uh, you don't want to be without two top six forwards for an extended period because uh, that, that eventually you're going to feel the uh, the impacts of that. You can shift guys up for an extended period, but uh, good to have Zook back on Thursday. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion the Rangers might want to have a guy out or a guy or two out from the top six, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, that's a whole other thing. It's a whole can of worms. Tom, did you know that Thursday is named after Thor? Thor's Day. And Friday is named after the Norse goddess Freya. And Wednesday is named after Odin. Well, I always thought that, like, you know, you celebrate the weekend, Friday, and, you know, you, yeah. maybe you don't cook. You don't cook, so you get, like, French fries, so, like, Friday. Oh, I like that. I'm a big fan of, you know what I've come back to, circled back to in my life. I'm a big fan of the crinkle fry again. You don't see a lot of crinkle cut fries, but I'm, I'm definitely on the crinkle fry train. So, like, like the Nathan's crinkle cut fry? Yeah, it's a little ziggity-zag, little chubby lightning bolt fry. Uh, that's a good descriptor. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm a writer, and I uh, I use word descriptions. Uh, but you mentioned Booch. Booch is out for four to six weeks with a with an ouchie on his thumb. That is not good. But Buchnevich being out of the lineup, Tom, opened the door for David Quinn to finally give Philippetal what we like to call in the hockey business a goddamn chance. And... Heedle, as you know, all season long, it's kind of been there, right? He's shown those flashes of skill, the, the great hands, the ability to kind of make something out of nothing every now and then. And I don't know about you, I feel like before he finally broke through against the Canucks on the power play, I, how many goals do you feel like he should have had by now? Because like in my head, I was like, he, he should have had maybe three goals where like something just misfired, it didn't go right. You know, it just missed or, you know, whatever the hell happened. But it's it finally happened. Heedle scored uh, just a rebound, slammed it home on the power play. And then for the rest of the game, it seems like David Quinn changed his mind about, you know, what he was going to do with Heedle. And Heedle finished that game with 2 minutes and 41 seconds on the power play. 14 minutes of ice time, so still not on ice time as it turns out. But the big number that stands out to me, other than the goal, Tom, is six shots to lead all the Rangers. And I don't know about you, but that is just a beautiful thing to see. And I just wrote something for the banter in the, I think it's the eight games previous to this game, Heedle had something like seven shots combined in those games. And it's no wonder what happens when, you know, he's playing on the fourth line. How's a guy with his sort of skill set supposed to make an impact. Like, you'll notice Vinny Lettieri on the fourth line because he runs around, you know, like a man on fire. But how are you supposed to notice Philip Hedl in that role? But 
I asked you like three questions in there, and then I just kept on talking. So go ahead and say. No, that's fine. So uh, I'll stick to Heedle just because it's it's the subject of the moment. And what's what's interesting with Heedle is you brought up he finished the game fourteen oh eight two forty one of which was on the power play, and that actually was the most that he has played in a game since October twenty fifth, and that was oh my God. Uh, that was a win over the Florida Panthers. He skated sixteen fifty eight in that game, so you know virtually practically 17 minutes and in the eight games that followed that not including last night he averaged just 951 a night uh so the fact that he went from averaging 951 a night to 1408 last night is is a positive sign and i i think what was interesting last night is that he he started the game on on the fourth line and I, I think I tweeted something before the game uh, that, like, this is a situation where Heedle has the underlying numbers. His PDO was showing that he was simply unlucky. And it would be wise to just put him up there for a five-game period. And if he then does not produce, then okay. He got his chance. It's not a situation where you can blame his line mates. And him getting that goal, I, I really think it was this psychological barrier that I'm doing all of these things right. I'm going to where I need to be. I'm just not getting the results. Now that he knows that he can score, uh, I, I think you, we're going to see a different Filipino for the next uh, few games. I hope so. It was great to see him break through. It was, his celebration kind of spoke, spoke volumes about just how like heavy and horrible and filled with bananas the the monkey on his back was i mean it's he's too good of a player not to have a way not to have a goal through 18 games and so when he finally broke through it felt like okay it's there and like you mentioned he's so unlucky and you know you you look at his you know his pdo you look at the number of shot attempts he had like there's a lot of signs that he was doing a lot of things right. He just wasn't getting rewarded. Um, the thing that I kind of take away from this, Tom, is to kind of steal from Blue Shirt Banter alumni Nick Mercadante, a uh, tweet that he had that I quote in, in an upcoming article. This is kind of the root of the problem, I think, when we hear some criticism about Quinn. You know, we've seen Ryan Spooner, you know, you mentioned that just that complete lack of ice time right for you know for for Heedle. and then Spooner has gotten kind of this ability to not I'm not sure ability is the right word he's kind of been opportunity bunch, yeah opportunity and like passes for having that ice time being in the like getting an opportunity to play in the top six and when we look at his numbers Tom they're just a goddamn shit show he's been really really bad uh spooner has and it's hard to it's hard to kind of paint a picture about just how bad he's been but he is the worst relative coursey for uh on the team uh among forwards i should say i should clarify and in his last six games tom he has no points and five shots he's gone three games now without putting a shot on net and the thing that makes that all the more interesting to me is that he has been getting ice time. He's he has been on like the power play. He's 
He hasn't played less than 10 minutes a night since October 25th. And, you know, I look at what the opportunities that Spooner's been given, um, specifically Spooner, I should say, versus what Heedle's been given. And it's kind of hard not to be agitated, I guess, with, with David Quinn and how he's handled things. It feels like maybe we would have had this really warm, feel-good moment with Heedle a little bit sooner if Quinn had kind of given a young player a chance to succeed. And that's that's what we heard all about David Quinn doing, is giving the babies, putting the babies in the walker and pushing them around the kitchen. You're supposed to let the kids grow and develop. Develop these relationships with them and unlock their, you know, their potential and help them kind of reach that, you know, what their potential is. And it hasn't happened with Heedle. And it, it, feels, it feels like, would we have seen that if Booch and Zuccarello were both in the lineup? I don't think so. I think what's interesting, and I understand both sides, or rather both factions, if you will, of fans that when it comes to looking at Quinn, the ones that are um, they're frustrated at him, the ones that have said, all I heard all damn summer was he's a teacher, he's a mentor, he knows how to handle kids, and then there's the other side that is, well, sample size, sample size, it's it's very early you've had different line combinations uh the nhl has been weird this year with with some of the teams that are are playing really well that you might have not otherwise expected um as as we record this you have some teams that you would expect in the top of the league your nashville predators or tampa bay lightnings but then right now, the Vancouver Canucks are, are seventh overall in the league, ahead of the Winnipeg Jets, who are expected to be a, a cup contender. The Buffalo Sabres are 12th in the league. Um, so there, there's been weirdness. But the one thing that I would love to hear, and I don't know if, if we ever will, will be what what's some of these conversations that, that Quinn is having with players and I don't expect him to go into complete details at all. But when Butchnevich was being scratched, it was being reported that he was having dialogue, sort of understanding what it was that, that Butchnevich wasn't doing. For all we know, he could have been instructing Heedle to work on other things while he was not scoring because he would inherently see he was doing doing the things that you're supposed to do you're putting yourself in the situation where you can score but he he was just fighting the puck not not getting those bounces now him playing on the fourth line with cody mcleod and this isn't essentially against cody mcleod the person but it's you could you could pick any cast of characters that the rangers have had in the last year just someone that fits that mold of they don't have really good hands. They are fleet of foot. They're not. They're better uh, at fighting and hitting than they are at generating chances and playing sound to a hockey. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I I think what is more impressive is that Heedle had some of the numbers he did, uh, in spite of playing with inferior talent. It would be one thing if he was playing with Buchnevich and. Zabanajad and he had these great underlying numbers because it'd be like, oh, that's yeah. that's something that should be happening. Um, we should expect that, right? If he's playing with some of the best forwards on the team, but no, he has been playing 
you know, predominantly with guys where it, it's not really helping his cause when he's playing with guys like a McLeod or a Terry. Exactly. And I, I think what has complicated things is that there's been no determination on what uh, Quinn wants in terms of players and what position they're going to play. We've seen Spooner at center. We've seen Spooner on the wing. We've seen Heedle at center. We've seen Heedle on the wing. We've seen recently recalled Lewis Anderson on the wing and at center. Uh, I think once we have those positions locked in, there will be more of an understanding of, okay, this is where I'm going to fit. This is where, uh, you know, this player is going to fit. And then we'll have more of an understanding of this is, this is what we can expect going forward. And I, I think we've seen it a little bit with the defense pairings where they've wanted to move things around and, and, and get the best fit. But hopefully if there aren't any more injuries and the, the kids – keep playing as they have will have some consistency and actually be able to evaluate the players i hope so but i i also feel like we've seen a bit of a pattern here like injuries have helped quinn find solutions to some of the things he's been criticized about it kind of happened with mcquade and it's kind of happened now with buchnevich and zuccarello and and this opportunity that hito's gotten most recently and again it's anecdotal what i'm saying but it's i think it still points to a trend of you know, I feel like people are are a little too quick to be, you know, on the on the Quinn hype train, or they want to be the guy who's derailing the train and pointing out a bunch of little things, you know, like a, a villain twirling his mustache, you know, not tying any damsel in distress onto the tracks or anything, Tom. Not going that far, but just kind of spoiling the fun. And the answer, the truth of what Quinn's doing is somewhere in the middle, right? It's we're we're figuring out who he is and this process this year is gonna be a process. It's a process of trying to figure out what he is, what he can do, how he's gonna develop these players, and I expected us to have some growing pains with Quinn behind the bench. He has to figure some stuff out. Um, you know, he's not a young man in terms of, you know, a young coach. We have coaches significantly younger than him behind benches, but he is a young coach in regards to his NHL experience, especially in regards to how many years he spent, you know, behind a bench at the NHL level as an assistant or what have you. And I, right now I'm trending towards more alarming signs than positive signs, but on the whole, I don't consider that to be alarming because of, you know, we're talking about his first 18 games of an NHL regular season, right? And we're also talking about really a pretty unique situation where he has so many forwards when everyone's healthy in this lineup. So many forwards and so many wingers. And the organization made the choice not to put, you know, to, to not slide Hedl's contract and send him to the HL. So they wanted to keep him up here. And that means he's here and that means he has all these guys to work into the lineup and you know how the hell do you find a place for you know all these guys you want to develop and evaluate and you know you're, you're kind of pressed by what what's your main motivation here evaluating these guys or is it i don't know you know trying to win hockey games and it feels like he wants to win hockey games and that's getting in the way of letting the kids play and i think you, you just hit the nail right on the head there. We're saying he wants to win hockey games, but 
I get this sense, regardless of how the Rangers have played, and people are going to people are going to take things positively and they're going to take it negatively. If, if you look at this win streak and say that it's unsustainable, people are going to get mad. If you look at this win streak and say it's it's ruining the tank, people are going to get mad. But I think that regardless, the plan is going to be the same because if you work out next year, the, uh, the year after that, the year after that, you need to look at players and say, are they going to be in this lineup? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if they're here then or they want to keep them, then they're going to stay, obviously withstanding them getting an offer they simply can't refuse. And and I think that plays in a role where you've seen Nemestikov, who started the year on the fourth line, he's sort of uh, been utilized more in a, in a top six role. Right now he has assumed uh, Bucinavich's spot on the top line. Um, and and it's a, it's a situation where or not rather uh, not Bucinavich's spot because Zuccarello was on the top line and then Buch went up there, but he's he's playing on, on playing on the top line left of um, Zabanajad. So that that's a situation where we saw what kind of player he was with Tampa. The Rangers might be trying to evaluate what they have there, but wouldn't put it past them to move Nemesikov and we had reports going back weeks ago uh, by Elliot Friedman that you know teams were interested in Nemesikov it could be a situation where it's just not a right fit with uh, the Rangers but a team says oh we put him here he's going to do amazing things I think to um, a smaller extent you could see that with Spooner where they maybe didn't want to sign him to a one-year deal uh, because it would, would be a situation where it wouldn't make sense to, to him. He wanted that extra year of security and then also giving the team the ability to potentially trade him at the deadline. So it's it's almost like there are all these different balls that are being juggled in the air. And the fact... Balls. Yeah, and the fact that they keep winning or they're picking up points complicates things because, as you mentioned uh, towards the beginning... That Thanksgiving marker is, is, is sort of... It's creeping uh, up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's tough because if you if you theoretically were to look at the schedule, they're going to play the Islanders on Thursday. They're going to play the Panthers Saturday. They're going to play uh, the Dallas Stars at home on the 19th. And they're going to they're play the Islanders on the 21st. Then it's Thanksgiving. And then after that... It's Flyers, Caps, two against the Senators, and then we're into December. So if you look at those teams, uh, right as we're speaking, um, Dallas is the only one that is ahead of of the Rangers. And, Uh, yeah, they feel like the the team that it should be a slam dunk for them. But those other teams, those are winnable games for the Rangers, and that's a weird feeling, right, To, to imagine the Rangers being maybe three or four more games above 500 by Thanksgiving. That feels like uh, not not great news for the tank, uh, but I don't. I feel like it's, it's... The odds are still stacked against them, in my opinion, though, Tom, because of the injuries, right? And I feel like that's a big factor here. Uh, the other thing is, I don't know... We've seen the Rangers play you know, pick up all these points and, you know, in over half a dozen consecutive games, but 
have they in all these games have they looked like they're the team that's supposed to walk away with two points I'm not at all in my opinion um I don't know how you feel Tell well me I, I mean I kind of feel the same way and and you just look at of of the streak that they're on yeah three of the games have come via a shootout win the the game against Detroit was a game they had a lead and they they just blew it um the, the Montreal game, they came from behind. In many ways, it sort of reminded me of that game uh, a few years back against the, the Minnesota Wild uh, where they came from behind, and I think Duclair scored either the game-tying or game-winning goal. Oh, Duclair. And, uh, I mean, last night was a 2-1 game, but it could have very easily been, been worse than that. Um, and it, it's like... I don't. I don't want people to, like, not, like, feel the way they want to feel, but you you have to have a have a, a semblance of, of realism in in, in saying <laughs> that they they You're were so gonna, polite, Tom. You have to have a semblance of realism because I think they kind of said it when they yeah. when they fired Elaine Vigneault, The question was asked. To, to to Jeff Gordon, it's, it's saying so. You're, you've announced this rebuild. You fired Elaine Vigneault. What does this mean for for Henrik Lundqvist? And the answer was gonna was Hank is gonna be Hank. He's gonna try to win every game, and knowing Hank, he's gonna give us a chance to to win a lot of games. And I think you're seeing this now that. Hank is playing is playing really well, and he's giving them a chance to win games. But there are just so many pieces on the roster that 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 they're not in the long term plans, and it would be foolish for them to hold on to them. and And we saw that last year, where the Rangers were within striking distance of a wild card spot. They were pretty much in the same position as the Islanders, and. The Rangers said, "You know what? We, we're we're not good enough to win a Stanley Cup, so we're going to set up shop." And the Islanders went in the completely opposite direction. Um, and obviously, you know, they end up losing John Tavares and and all that, and they do their whole makeover and sign fifty bajillion fourth liners. Yeah, Leo um, Komarov, he's the new John Tavares. Guy. Yeah, so I'm in, I'm enjoying this. As it goes, I, I went to the game last night. It was it was my my first game at the Garden this year, and uh, it was kind of late for me because I'm I usually go to the home openers, but I've just been, you know, so busy this year with, with various things, and and it it was a great atmosphere. It was it was great to see Heedle get the monkey off his back and score. It was great to see Howden uh, score as well. He's he's played very well. Um, but I, I, th- I think it also is it's just managing expectations. I mean, I'm a Met fan. I'm used to having, uh, you know, being let down. And I'm used to having the team play very well and then have the bottom fall out. Um, so it's take it as it is right now. And then and then things might go sideways. This may continue forever. You, you never know. We saw the Colorado Avalanche go on an amazing PDO run to the playoffs. And then they bottomed out. So it's... It's just weird. It's a long, long way of me saying that things have been weird. And yeah, that's the right word for this, right? It's the success they've had has been weird and almost certainly unsustainable. With that being said, it's still been fun to watch 
guys like Howden and you know Heedle's breakthrough. It's fun to watch the stuff that's been working work. Uh, that doesn't kind of change the big picture stuff, though, right? It's this team still needs to consider this a development year. They need to consider this kind of a throwaway year. Let the kids figure it out. You know, let the young players establish themselves. And I think you you did a good job of mentioning. Part of the problem here is there are so many pieces here that are not going to be here or are not going to be a part of that solution. And that makes trying to figure out what direction this team wants to be headed in kind of tricky, even though we know the front office wants to rebuild. They don't. The, they didn't write last year's letter because they, they said, folks, we're going to be a wild card team next year. That's not the... That's not what the you know message was there. The message there was, listen, folks, it's going to be rough, but we're giving the kid, we're going to get some kids, we're going to develop them. But in many ways, it feels like the Rangers are kind of stuck with too many of those guys, like you mentioned, those guys who are kind of placeholder guys, guys like Nemesnikov, the guys like Spooner, and even now, it feels strange to say this, and I know you feel differently than I do about this, Tom. Even now with Kevin Hayes, who, you know, he it feels like he has a he has a shelf life on this team in a big way, but he's also been one of the guys who's really been heating up for the Rangers as of late. Um, have you, you know, what have you seen with Hayes? And I know you, I, you know, let's start with this. You are of the opinion that it's in the Rangers' best interest to keep him around. Is that right? I, I would say it's in the best interest because I think he's a well-rounded player who has made the most of his five on five ice time where Can't other center with that. yeah where de- other definitely ce- what he is yeah and it this is no slight to Mika Zibanejad who's a phenomenal player in his own right um but he's just since entering the league and and I I think he has other levels that he can go to and we're seeing that in November where he's he has seven points in six games played uh, a goal and six assists, and he's averaging over or nearly 21 minutes a night. Um, it, it, it for me with Hayes, it's always been this this situation where you have a sense of what he is capable of, and his career as a hockey player, he's been asked to do a number of different things. He's been asked to be a shutdown center. Um, he's been asked to, you know, play on the wing at sometimes, and then. He's in, he's in this role where he's he's being rotated with with different wingers and and it's he's never had a I would say like a stationary role and and I think the fact that you 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 have a guy that entered the league after playing in college so he is older but he's still relatively young as a as an NHL player. And I, I just think that whenever you see a guy that is this um, consistent five-on-five five, year in and year out, that's something that you kind of want to treasure because you can look at a you can look at point totals and point totals are can be misleading. Um, I, I forget someone like wrote an article going way way back and it was it was what is a number one center and you have these one A's oh yeah yeah and these one B's and the one A's are the ones that they produce on the power play. They're picking up 20 to 25 additional points. And then you look at the leaderboard, and, and, and there they are. And then you have those 1Bs that 
they're playing well five on five they're not making uh the most of their their power play time and they're finishing you know sort of just under that and the poster child for for 1b centers for the longest time was someone like ryan o'reilly and although this year he's off to a great start with uh, st louis um i mean i wrote the article going back during the summer i see some tendencies in Hayes that uh we've seen in blake wheeler um and you know i might both big guys both guys who can play center and wing too yeah and and players that they went the you know the the college route and they they took a once they got to the nhl it was sort of finding the role that was right for them and giving them the ice time um but i i just have this sinking feeling that you know if they let him go for nothing he'll sign with a team and then it's going to be just a regret and that's when he finds that next year right um I feel like I've talked to Shana about this a bunch, and she's kind of thrown the idea out there of why the Rangers don't maybe try, I think Shana said this, of why the Rangers don't really try Hayes at way more, especially when you have, you know, so many guys who you want to see more at center, uh, Heedl among them, obviously. And, you know, even you can even justify like, hey, what the hell? What, what does Howden have to do to get more ice time at this point? I mean, he's been... I don't maybe I don't know. Has Howden been the Rangers' best forward? I feel like he's definitely up there. Uh, I, I feel like you could make a case for him, especially in terms of how much ice time he's had and to make an impact, and versus what the expectations for him are. But you know, Hayes has been this interesting thing because I I wanted to bring him up when we were talking about this kind of logjam, right? And these guys who are here who might not be here because Hayes. It feels like Hayes and Nemesnikov might be some of those guys who go, if they do go, they could go before the deadline, which means we could see them moved even before, let's say, Christmas or, or what have you, just to kind of throw you know, a date on stuff so people understand this is not a deadline day deal. Maybe he gets moved earlier than that. And I look at Hayes, and Joe and I have talked about Hayes a lot, but I like Hayes' game a lot. The question I have is, how does this organization see him? Because if they don't see him as a guy who can comfortably be a part of that top six as a winger, I don't feel like he, he is he's long for the Rangers organization as much as he loves to be in New York. Uh, because if they are kind of committed to the idea of having him at center, maybe he's sticking in that position, Tom, because they want to f- like showcase him a bit there. Because obviously you get you'd get more in a return for a center than a winger. But uh, I don't know. It feels like his future is completely up in the air to the point where I don't even know what sort of percentages I would throw at it that he's he's moved or not moved before the deadline but I feel like eventually we're going to hear something right we're going to hear another rumor much more substantial than you know some of the ones we've heard or we're going to hear that you know the Rangers are actively working on a deal Um, but I did want to just mention this is a bit of Rangers news Uh, Michael Lindquist Tom he was placed on the waivers today uh, for the for the purpose of a mutually a mutual termination of his contract. Bob McKenzie reported. Uh, Lindquist was a guy who we talked about a lot during the offseason because he signed with the Rangers uh, on May second, twenty eighteen. So during last season, and he's twenty four. Uh, he had what was it three goals and four assists, two of which were primary in sixteen games with Hartford, and he had been playing a lot with Leas Anderson and Cole Schneider. 
but he's no longer a New York Ranger now, Tom. The Rangers have decided to move on. It maybe it sounds like he could maybe be going to the KHL, but he had a European assignment clause. So if he's going back to the Swedish league, the SHL, this is more than a little bit perplexing. Um, do you have any thoughts, or do you feel like the Rangers might be missing something special here, or is this just kind of a depth winger, and it's you know no 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 use crying over spilled milk? I think it's a situation where the Rangers did their due diligence in looking to add talented bodies to Hartford. Uh, the Rangers had over the last few years, Hartford had not been the greatest development environment. Uh, they had uh, hired Keith McCambridge to, to take over. Uh, he was sort of a new voice in there and looking to have, I would say, just competition. So instead of signing uh, a bunch of older college players that, that didn't really stick on, like I think in recent years it was like the Ryan Haggerty types, the, um, the Adam Chappies, if you will, they went for someone that was playing overseas and if they could find a fit and maybe catch lightning in a bottle great if they signed also Vili Meskinen in, in sort of I would say um, to be a, to a similar style signing as Lindquist and you could even you know go further back and, and, and the Rangers have just sort of tried to to look people looking at people from Europe if, if not through the draft like when they drafted someone like Robin Kovacs who obviously it didn't work out he 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 went back uh, to Sweden um, it might have been a situation where Linquist realized that he didn't have a direct path to the Rangers and if he has a KHL opportunity where he can get paid handsomely it makes sense for him to take it and I, I don't think the Rangers want to stand in his way um, and and I, I really think it, it's as, as simple as that and I don't think it was a situation of him not doing what the team asked. It's just they have so many damn forwards that it was going to be hard for him to break in when he wanted. And if he's got a chance to make a lot of money in the KHL, you know, more power to him. Yeah, it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the the Nicholas Jensen situation, right, where he's good enough to be here. It just the stars didn't align and maybe – Part of that fault is with the Rangers for, you know, having too much of a logjam there and, and making it too difficult for a guy like Lindquist to feel comfortable because ideally you, you do want Michael Lindquist in Hartford, you know, with the Wolfpack because you want him to be able to, you want good guys to develop around your younger guys. He's not like a prospect. He's 24, um, but he, he definitely proved last season that he can score against men you know he can put up points in a really good league in the in you know the SHL, and so it feels a little bit like something got away, but not really. It's not the end of the world. I was always much higher on Meskinen uh, than Lundqvist, even when I went back and I you know when that when we heard the news today, I, I glanced back at the uh, NHL equivalency article I wrote about the two of them because you know it was only natural to kind of compare them and you know compare them against each other and try and forecast which player might have a better chance of being a part of the solution. I was always higher on Meskinen just because I thought his game was more balanced. Uh, Lindquist does have like an NHL level shot and that's something that Hartford is likely going to miss even though you know he only had just the three goals there. 
but yeah, it is it is a little bit of news. It means there's going to be another contract um, the Rangers can play with, but you know maybe that comes into play with something like taking on uh, a bad contract in a trade. Tom, who knows? We'll have to see. But uh, moving down the line, I actually wanted to take a moment, Tom. Uh, earlier in the show, you said you've been such a busy boy. Uh, something that's really special that you've done now. Uh, I think at least for two years. It was last year, the first year, where Tom, I just call it Tom Fights Cancer. So last year, um, it was it was kind of like a, a confluence of, of, of circumstance. So um, in, it was last August, my... My childhood best friend Robbie, his uh, his aunt Lisa, who uh, has has been sort of like a a second mother to me, uh, you know, most of my life. We grew up uh, on the same street, and during the summer, uh, always at his his you know his house, you know, whether it was playing basketball, playing wiffle ball, um, you know, we played youth sports together. Um, she was she was diagnosed with with, with cancer. It was uh, you know, in, in, impacted uh, a number of, of, of different areas, and it was it was just something that sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and I really didn't know what to do. And then it was just sort of this thing there. It's like, oh man, I it, it's going to be hockey fights cancer month. And I said to myself, you know, this is a um, a fun, creative little way to raise a little bit of money and it, it's it's something that will uh be interactive other people can do sort of a similar thing so i just decided you know here's what i'm gonna do and i in my ipad or iphone notes are like oh you know this is why i'm doing it i'm gonna do this for this and what was funny is i realized that i had made it had gotten the original tweet had gotten like a bunch of retweets and favorites and then i realized that there was like a terrible typo so i deleted it and then i'm like oh man like you know i i'm i'm mad that i made this typo and it's pretty much you know people scroll through twitter and they uh they'll find something and then they'll favorite or they'll retweet or whatever and then they move on with their day and if you you delete a tweet and then you re-upload it you may not get the same level of interaction so from there it just sort of took off and it, it culminated with the NHL's official Twitter account quote tweeting it saying, wow, this is a really creative way to, to, to raise money. Uh, and then I eventually got in contact with um, Dan Rosen of NHL.com and he, he wanted to ask me a little bit of what I was doing and, and why I was doing it. Um, so it, it was successful. Um, it, my pledge last year uh, if through just the regular tracker, which I pick a number of categories and I add a, a multiplier and so X amount of goals, X amount of whatever. Um, and it was, it was about $150 because I rounded up just for the bracket. And I had a number of different people that they said, you know, whatever, whatever your final number is, we'll match it. Um, you know, my parents matched it. Um, you know, my, uh, my friend Patrick, uh, over in, uh, Washington State matched it. Uh, Rich, Rick Nash tag matched it. Um, a couple other people. Um, I don't just remember their their Twitter handles off the top of my head, um, but it was really really good show of generosity from people and it's really inspiring. So I decided I want to do it again this year. And like we were talking earlier in the show, this has been a weird season. And October was not a great month for the team. They weren't really playing inspiring hockey. 
So I said to myself, you know what? I got to up the ante a little bit because, you know, we don't know how well they're going to play. So I, I raised the stakes a little bit. And lo and behold, they've won five times thus far. Um, so I have it as a – my bracket is as follows. So for every shutout win, $25. For every regular win, $15. For every Philip Heedle goal, $7.20 for his jersey number. For every Brett Howden goal, $5 because, you know, I just wanted to do a little bit more. And then a dollar for every point for Mika Zibanejad, for every Matt Zuccarello point, for every Chris Kreider point, for every Shattenkirk point. And then 40 cents a save for Gorgiev because of his jersey number, and 30 cents a save for every save by Lundquist. In addition to that, um, you actually helped me out with this. You made an, a, a really nice logo for for T-shirts that are up on Teespring. Uh, I had an idea of something that I wanted to do. I'm and such a great guy, Tom. You are, and, and it really came out very well. It's like I did this terrible little doodle on uh like with pen and folded up like work paper and you're like you know what i think i can work with this and then it, it was just great um so people can buy a t-shirt they can buy a hoodie they can buy a, a long sleeve shirt and um you know every all of those proceeds will go directly to saint jude's um the the merchandise sales aren't going as well as i would have liked them to so i'll, I'll be making like an additional uh, donation to saint jude's but um I, I'm a big hockey fan. That's uh, not a really big surprise, you know, hockey podcast, hockey writer, hockey fan. And I've come to collect a lot of memorabilia over the years, and that includes signed hockey pucks. So I had had the idea that anyone that makes a donation of $15, whether it's to my, my pledge drive through PayPal or they go to their 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 uh, favorite ch- uh, cancer charity, um, you know, they would get entered in a, a raffle to win one of these prizes. And obviously, you know, you can win multiple times if you, you know, sort of multiple donations. So the items are Marc Messier uh, signed puck with 94 champ inscribed, a Brian Leach 94 Stanley Cup final hockey puck signed, an Adam Graves signed puck, a Marty Sandalee, uh recently inducted Hall of Famer, Marty Sandalee, uh hockey puck, a Zook Arello signed puck, a Brady Shea signed puck, and a Pavel Buchanevich signed puck. So I have it as I have it as my pinned tweet, pretty much breaking down what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how people can get involved, um, and it's every little bit truly does help. Um, I posted, uh, you know, examples of the charities that I gave to last year, and then and and ultimately, yeah. I would I would love to be able to give to more this year. Um, I I think um, uh, the tracker itself is off to a great start. Uh, a number of people have donated. A lot of uh, a lot of them actually being uh, blue shirt banter commenters, which I'm um, I'm very touched by. The a lot of them have put little uh, notes in in their donation, whether it's been. Uh, someone that has been impacted uh, in, in their life or um, just a nice little sentiment. Um, so I would check out my pin tweet at Tom Merch Jr. Um, and you can sort of find the information. Donate $15, get a chant, uh, one chance. Get a little bit of good. Season of giving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, donate 30, two chances, 45, three, so on and so forth. Um, you know, I understand that 
um, you know, it's a it's a tough time of the year as people are getting ready to, uh, you know, buy uh, holiday gifts. Um, but uh, every little bit does help. And, it, and if you can help, great. And if not, you know, even just throwing a retweet to uh, letting people know about it is uh, greatly appreciated. Yeah. And, you know, I know this isn't like a shocking statement, but uh, cancer sucks. Uh, cancer is the biggest asshole there is on the planet pretty much uh like you said every little bit helps and this is one of those things where it's very rare where you encounter people who haven't had cancer touch their lives and you know this is a special month uh where you know you know we we pay a little maybe a little bit more attention to cancer than we do for the rest of the year and it hits home for a lot of people because of holidays like thanksgiving but it is it's important to remember you know we can make an impact and you know even if you can only afford to give a little bit a little bit still helps and that's and if you can't afford to give anything like you said spreading the awareness helps uh you know if you if you're a really good friend for your friend tom maybe design a t-shirt logo for him just little things you very know, great friend oh you know he's an okay guy uh there have been better guys um but yeah i wanted to put a spotlight on that and what you're doing there because frankly it's it's amazing and it really moves me and uh it inspires me to try and do more things like that because uh i've had the pleasure of knowing you for a couple of years now and uh, i've yet to run into someone who i consider to be just more of a if this was dungeons and dragons tom i'd consider consider you to be lawful good you're just a very good dude uh and generous with your time generous with helping people and I'm not surprised that, you know, you found a way to do something like this that reaches out and touches a lot of lives. But before I get sappy, um, let's actually try and move over to the mailbag, Thomas. Questions, um, where we'll see if people have nice questions or uh, sarcastic yeah. questions. But we love, you know, I, I mean, I listen to the podcast every week and, uh, you know, I, I, I love people having questions. Having interaction is always great. We oh, you listen to the podcast? I, what I asked Shane last week, I don't mean to interrupt you so rudely. By the way, it, it, your your cold cheap pizza of choice, your cold pizza of choice. Like, what pizza is the best when cold? See, I'm a person that I really can't eat cold pizza. God um, damn it, Tom! Moving on, you've ruined the show. I'm um, sorry. Our first question is from Mika from Hockey Stat Miner. Fill in the blanks as needed. Hayes 50% retained, Zuccarello 50% retained, and then he left a couple of blank lines like you might see uh, next to a little X for your signature for Nylander, and then many blank lines. Uh, fill in the blanks, Tom. Put, putting together a deal for Nylander, as in William Nylander, who we now know is the, the Leafs are listening to offers for him. So I think it would be a situation where... The Leafs would obviously need someone that uh, has some form of security. And me personally, I, I think it's an interesting situation because in any, any way you slice it, it's going to involve the team taking on salary. And the, the reason they're in the predicament they're in is that they want to sign Nylander at a number that is not cost prohibitive from them than uh, signing Mitch Marner and then Austin Matthews. So if you look at players on the Rangers roster that would be of 
somewhat interest to the Leafs. Um, Brady Shea would be one of them, but then again, he's making five and a quarter million a year. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, wouldn't you rather spend that five and a quarter and then a little bit more to just to keep just to keep Nylander? Yeah. And then even if you looked at say Kevin Shattenkirk um, with salary retention yeah. for if if that were something that he were interested in, if that were something that they were interested in, I believe Toronto was interested in uh, in signing Shattenkirk when he was a free agent, but that was obviously. Uh, pre uh, Kyle Dubas being in in charge 100%. That's still a big ticket that you then ask, would you just prefer signing Nylander for that little bit more? Um, But if we're we're dealing in a world of of, of hypotheticals where... Hypothetical. Hypotheticals. If I'm Toronto, I'm looking for the players that are on the entry-level deals that I can sort of kick the can down the road, or I'm looking at the players who are... Um, are, are, are waiting to get to that sort of second or Toronto, third country. I say I want Chris Kreider plus. Yeah, Chris Kreider is actually someone that I could see just for the mere fact that he's in the same situation that Ryan McDonough was in last year where he's, um, I call it a, a playoff run plus one player. You have him for the rest of the season. And, and you then, know you're a playoff team, yeah. And then you have a full additional season. So... It's not really a rental. And then if it's a situation where you're really in love with the player, you you find a way to make it work. Um, and and, and, and in many ways, it's it would be an interesting situation. Um, I could see Toronto being interested in someone like Pavel Buchnevich, but obviously he's out now and they're not going to trade for someone that's injured just because... You look at all the talented senators that are senators they have. You slot in Buchnevich, and he he could be very productive there. Um, I, I, so it sounds like both of us feel like if a deal happens, it's not going to involve Hayes or Zuccarello. Um, and it doesn't make lean, sense. Yeah, I would lean more towards Zuccarello just because Toronto might say something along the lines of, "All right, well, how about you give us, like you said, some of those guys on those entry level deals, but also." trying to essentially replace you know Nylander for the short term which is why Kreider might be attractive and Zuccarello as we know Tom is just a UFA after this year so that isn't a great fit but you know I don't know maybe maybe Toronto feels like they can they'd almost certainly be able to sign both Kreider and Zuccarello for less uh than Nylander and you know that, that I think like that's a slam dunk but the question is you know what do the Rangers feel comfortable giving up? Because you have to give up a lot to get William Nylander. And I'm not sure there's a lot there that they would feel too comfortable about giving up right now. And I think what they would want primarily, I I still think that they're going to want some type of forward back. But I look at Toronto and Jake Gardner's a unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. He's someone that's been pretty important on their blue line. Um, I think Connor Brown might be a good candidate just because in many ways he feels like he is not going to be able to repeat what he did. Uh, he is t- He's 24 now. He is a 2.1 million hit for this year. Next, um, you know, he did have, you know, what was it, two seasons ago, Tom? Yeah, he was a 20-goal guy two seasons ago last season. Despite all of that talent on the Leafs, he 
you know, moved down the lineup and he was a 28-point guy. So, you know, he has seven points in his first 17 games this season. You ask yourself, you know, are the Leafs getting enough bang for their buck for someone like Connor Brown, who feels like, you know, he's producing less than than Jimmy Vesey right now. And, uh, you know, maybe Vesey is another name to mention here in uh, conjunction with Toronto, but... I don't know. It is uh, it is kind of interesting to to you can't not talk about the Rangers and what they could do to get Nylander, just because he's he's the young, talented winger that this organization needs. Right? It it fills a need. The only question is, how much can they give up while still kind of not giving up enough where they spoil or potentially derail another part of the rebuild but you know Tom they got a lot of young D is that the answer you may maybe move one of these baby D I don't know and it could potentially but if you're Toronto you kind of want something now um and I don't think I don't I think Kyle Dubas is is smart enough to realize that um the Rangers would potentially might say, well, what about Neil Pionk? And then he would sign of realize because he's analytically inclined to say that he's not exactly what we're looking for, for someone that, you know, could be a perennial, uh, all-star. Um, so I've, I've tried to look at ways to make it work. I thought about actually writing an article about it going back and I could never just come to some sort of arrangement that, makes sense for both teams and what they're they're looking to accomplish yeah sometimes teams are just incompatible right even when let's say one team really wants something if you don't have the right pieces you're not gonna be able to make the deal um our next question is from jamie bushold uh great job as always why are we so bad at tanking seriously though it's been fun watching this team but so important to cash in on all the assets we have shouldn't we sell now and go for a top five pick uh, I, I'll just do my quick answer to this one because I feel like we talked about this a little bit already. It, it's really it's hard to really commit to a tank like it, it, and, and make it obvious that's what you're doing. With that being said, the Rangers should be, right? They, they should be making calls and trying to see if they can move guys now um, and see if they can set the market now. I know I've kind of like flip-flopped on that a little bit because I've also said in the past that it's, it's good to kind of wait until the deadline when you can maybe feel like you get teams over a barrel, especially for these guys who are rentals. But uh, for someone like Kevin Hayes, I feel like he's a guy who a team's going to want to trade for him and then sign him. So uh, moving him sooner rather than later makes plenty of sense, especially if you get to kind of set the market price. Um, do, do you feel like it's kind of in the Rangers' best interest to make those moves sooner rather than later, Tom? Or are you more of the opinion where, uh, I know I know this isn't how you feel, but are you thinking, I don't know, let's wait until the deadline. Maybe this is a playoff team. I know you don't think that way. I would say that it's a situation of having the, for the lack of a better word, bandwidth to actually move all these players out because the trade the trade frenzy is uh it's frenetic and it's there there's just so many players that are in they're out they become available uh a team has an injury and they look to to fill a hole or or something happens and there you can only have so many conversations at once so if the rangers were smart they would try and move the players with most value sooner 
and then they sort of set the market for those types of players. And then if you have your Spooners, your Nemestikovs, your whatever, then you're able to sort of um, move them as well and maybe for a lesser return. And if you don't move them, it's not the biggest deal in the world. Tom, quick question for you from Mike Murphy here. Uh, do you use a loofah in the shower? I do not. Yeah, neither do I. I, I don't know. Um, I know people who do. Uh, I, I'm aware of what a loofah is for, and I use body wash. I don't use a loofah. I just put all the body wash in my beard and let that suds it up, and then I let, let nature take care of the rest. Uh, next question, Tom, from Josh Kestenbaum. What do you honestly expect to get back for Spooner? Uh, this is something you and I talked about before the show, and we've also kind of circled the drain on this a little bit during the show now is, you know, well, what can you do with Spooner? You know, he has really bad numbers right now, but he's also a guy who, you know, he he's historically he's not a bad player if you care about things like points. If you care about just simple counting stats, um, he's a guy who will have value to teams, especially teams who might be looking for, you know, someone who can kind of jumpstart their middle six or maybe someone who can kind of help with that second power play unit. Because in Boston, he had a lot of success picking up points, especially assists on the power play. Uh, the problem is the Rangers don't really have much need for Spooner because of how many guys they already have who like to kind of set up on the half boards and move the puck around. Uh, I look at Spooner, Tom, as someone who... You know, we were trying to peg this down before the show, uh, because unlike Joe, I like to look at the questions before we record. I just don't know. I, I feel like it goes without saying a lot less than what the Rangers got for Grabner, but what that looks like, I'm not sure. Maybe the best you can do at this point is something like, you know, a conditional second or maybe a third-round pick and kind of a, a wish-washy, you know, not, not the best prospect in someone's system. Um, you know, maybe you can move him for another guy who can be a placeholder. But the thing that you mentioned earlier in the show, Tom, that makes this so difficult, right, is the contract. Four million years for, I mean, four million, four million dollars next year on the cap, in addition to the cap that he takes up this year. And then after that, Spooner is, of course, a UFA. What do you feel like the Rangers could get for him if they tried to move him today? I don't think they could even move him today. Teams would want to wait. If the Rangers were to move Spooner, I think it's it's something like a third round pick potentially, a fourth rounder potentially, um, maybe a another Ryan Spooner like player. What I mean by that is someone that is trending towards age thirty. Uh, has been used sort of as a jack of all trades throughout the lineup. Um, it pretty a much master it, of none. If you if if I were to make a descriptor, it's almost like an older Nemestikov, where Nemestikov was in a spot with Tampa. He came to the Rangers. He wasn't the greatest fit at first. He's been moved up now, and there there there's clearly talent there, but it's you know not a young prospect anymore. Um, it's it's really hard because there are always those teams that they have an injury and they want to have a capable body ready that they stick them on the fourth line can move them up to the third line uh it's without seeing what players are made available or what players 
are are traded it it's kind of hard hard to say but i i think it would be less than sort of what they uh what they they might have expected uh after last year i kind of think the drafts yeah yeah i i think that was a situation where he just played so damn well after the trade with hayes um that they thought maybe we'll be able to capitalize on this guy and they didn't and they're like well we're going to keep him maybe he can repeat that success and that hasn't happened this far yeah, it's a bummer. I always feel like my, my answer for these things is, I don't know, ask Vegas, because Vegas always seems to be able to, they're game for anything. They have a bunch of guys right. still. Why the hell not? Uh, float that at Vegas. See, see what a team like that would like to do, um, especially because you know they've had a couple of forwards go down. They've had a couple of forwards not work out there, and you know they obviously had James Neal move on. You know I'd have to look closer at their cap situation, but yeah, generally my answer for most things is I don't know. Look at Vegas. You roll um, the dice and see what happens. Yeah, why not? Um, angry sports dad, uh, boss just blue balls to me with free tickets to tonight's game. What fake punishment does a person deserve for doing that? Huh? I would say you know that horrible feeling where you walk. Uh, walking around your house and you hit what you know must be a single strand of a spider's web and it gets like right at eye level or mouth level <laughs> and for the next two hours you're just you're not sure if you just have a spider just pumping eggs you know into your ear hole or your nipple or somewhere awful for spider eggs to be which is all places I feel like your boss deserves that nothing violent but just uh You'll never be able to sleep peacefully again for the next week. Just not sure if he's just being filled up, just utterly filled up with spider eggs. Something like that. Tom? It's kind of tough because it depends on the relationship that you have with uh, the boss in question. Um, I mean, I have I have a new boss, um, you know, I've known him for a while, but if like, I ever did something like that, I mean... I'd have just no problem just telling him to go fuck himself or, or like, like you know, or, or really, like, pranking him back. Like, oh. That's well, not I, much of a punishment, though. That's just telling him like it is. Like, you got well, well, to like, level the playing field. Like, uh, there must be a repercussion. Yeah, I mean, it's trying to think because it's that time of the year where, you know, if, if, if your company does holiday bonuses and, you know, if they're – some people are really great at – are really great at um, doing pranks and you know joking, but when you turn it around on them, they get really um, they get really mad or they get really like they just can't take it the right way and then they lash out. But I would say like, hey, you know, you could do a situation where you give them like tickets to a game and uh, you give another person a set of tickets and you make sure that the other person gets there first and then when they try to get into the game they're going to be like oh these tickets have already been scanned and uh that'd be kind of funny but like i said it depends on the relationship you have with that person because you know they could uh exact vengeance i would say uh throw a tape dispenser at their head that's the other thing i could do um put their stapler in jello stapler in jello Dwight Trudem. Uh, Philip Gostin, or Gostin, what has happened to Beth? She hasn't been on the podcast for months now. Why? Also, what would you be okay with to give up for Nylander? Well, we touched on the Nylander thing. Beth is very busy. 
Um, she's smarter than everyone else at Blue Shirt Banner, so she's a professor. And she's doing many professorial things. She's also a mom. She's doing a lot of mom things. Uh, we want her back on the show very much, but she just hasn't had the time, unfortunately. We're also hoping to get her a microphone and have it all set up nice and nice, but maybe we'll try and get her on again, uh, you know, filling in like like Thomas filled in, but I do miss the days of uh, me, me, Beth, and Joe. Someone else to give Joe shit, really, is what I miss the most, but uh, Beth is the best of all of us, and I miss her on the show very much. Yeah, it's always good to have the uh, the Oracle of Calamities around to the sort Oracle of... The Oracle of Calamities. She's the best... She's the best tweeter we have. The best game day tweeter, by far. Um, oh, oh, clearly. And finally, Tom, stir the pot 89. Why can't Booch play a full damn season? Um, here's what I have to say about this. He's a soft European that will never make it in this league. Yep, okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, no, uh, Booch only missed, what was it, eight games last season. So he played 74 games last season. The season before... He was up and down between Hartford, right? Uh, he had 41 games. I know he's been, he's had a couple injuries now. Uh, I want to point out a couple things. Like uh, Chris Kreider has missed a bunch of games in his career. We don't talk about him being injury prone. Uh, we don't ask why he hasn't played a full NHL season because to date he is not. He had one 80 game season in 2014-15 and since then he's missed at least three games. Uh, in some cases, many more games. Um, I, I understand people getting frustrated with injuries, but hockey is tough. People get hurt, and the Puchnevich injury is, is frustrating, especially because I feel like you know he had just been a healthy scratch, Tom, and then, oh, he picks up some points and a couple goals, and then, oh, fuck, he's hurt. Uh, I'm not too worried. Um, I feel like he's far from being injury-prone. I feel like this is just... A case of like the timing feeling like it's salt in the wound, right? It's just, uh, it's just a big pain in the dick. I also think it's, it's you know, just in case anybody, you know, I was being completely uh, sarcastic, Fishish. but it's a situation where it's, it's one of those things that um, it's a double-edged sword because you have, depending on who the player is, it's like oh, they're a warrior, they're playing through injury. Um, and then it's like, oh, you know, it was really stupid that they didn't say that they were hurt. They could have had this fixed a lot earlier. Like in his situation, it's a broken bone in, in, in his hand. Um, what is it? His is it? It's a broken thumb, or is it a broken well, it's finger? It's a broken thumb. Yeah. So like, it's what separates us from the rest of the apes. We got the, the opposable thumb. And it's like you kind of need, you know, to have a thumb. You want to be able to grab uh, a stick properly. It and helps. Yeah, and, and it's it's it obviously sucks, but he's not the first player that's going to get hurt. He's certainly not going to be the last. There's only so many like Keith Yandels in this world that are able to have like these these Iron Man streaks. Um, and, and I I think uh, he's gonna come back. He's gonna be very pissed because he was on a. I think he had four goal. He had four points in his last three games, uh, something to that effect. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's a combination of just bad luck and and you know it's it's not that he's a a soft player. He's six three and he's you know nearly two hundred pounds. It's not like he's this you know dainty frail 
you know, five foot five, 160 pound player um, that's, you know, going to be somewhat, you know, injury prone. Um, yeah. But it's, it's just a case of like bad luck and the timing of it just makes it sting all the more, really, right? Bad luck, Bucci. Um, bad luck, Bucci. Good news is he's still really, really good. Um, so I feel like that's that's everything there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read off the names I'm supposed to read off and thank the people who make this podcast possible. Uh, Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Amriel Kistner, Andre Chicagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Chuck Spadina, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David Elsinger, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Olo, Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, Mediogre, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Robert Courtney, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, Thomas Osa, Tori from Manhattan, Trevor Kempner, and Zachary Zetland. Thank you all so much for being patrons and for helping us with get the show out every week. Tom, we we talked for over an hour. Talked for almost an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. It was uh, I was glad to get back onto the podcast. And it's, yeah, we, uh, we haven't had you haven't had you on a, on a while. Did it feel good to get back on the old bicycle with the the bells and the whistles and the basket? It does. It's it's I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, Joe's way. Joe's way of keeping me away so that I couldn't, you know, bring the podcast back on the rails. I guess he yeah. likes the chaos. We're too organized with you. That's the thing. You're too, uh, you're too straight laced, Tom. That's that's what the people think. Is uh, you need to, you know, you need to be the sort of guy who will just suddenly, you know, it looks like you're sleeping, and then you'll snap to a wakeful state, and you'll throw an empty beer bottle at someone's head. That's what we need from you. So work on that. Uh, inject more chaos in your life. I will, I will try to uh, inject some more chaos in my life. That's good. Uh, and while you're at it, uh, definitely, again, reminder to check out Tom on Twitter at, at Tom Urch Jr. And definitely check out the what he's doing with uh, Hockey Fights Cancer this month. If you can make a little difference, uh, it'll make a big difference for someone out there. And that's really what matters. Uh, thanks for listening to us. And that's it. Bye-bye, folks. Ta-ta for now.